Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the world of priesthood dispatches, where we tell your stories from the front lines of high demand religion. Hello everybody and welcome back to the channel. It's party time. Check out the lights uh, in true Priest of Dispatches fashion. I'm here on my own this evening, uh, so we're just going to keep it low-key. We're going to look at some of the stories that I've not been able to tell over the last year and, yeah, just see why Priest of Dispatches is even a thing. So, uh, the anniversary date was actually May the 4th, Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. And that was the anniversary of uh, the day that I think I started the Priest of Dispatches Facebook group. And the whole point in Priest of Dispatches at the time was that it was going to be just a blog. Um, and that having left the Mormon church it, a couple of years previous, I was kind of over that angry stage and um, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life now. and what i had left from mormonism so what i did have left were a bunch of stupid stories from being a, a very young bishop from um, being on the high council stake order things like that and i thought i could put them down in a bit of a blog because i like to write things and then i was driving to on the schoolroom one day and thought priesthood dispatches because they were my priesthood stories from the front lines of high demand religion um, a bit like being mentioned in dispatches in the war, you know, kind of a, not a hero, but, you know, maybe. Uh, so, yeah, Priest of Dispatches was born and it was just a blog at first. We can see here um, we've got the, the Priest of Dispatches website here. Um, and, yeah, started as a blog, me telling my stories and then you telling your stories. So that was May last year. Uh, some people have said, oh, the, the year's gone so fast. I think it seems like it's gone fast because um, you may not have uh, arrived at the YouTube channel until that started in around September. So still a little while to go for the year mark of the YouTube channel. But speaking of YouTube channels, if you're new to the channel, then please like and subscribe. Um, if you are returning, you are as crazy as I am. Uh, thank you, Sarah. Thank you, everyone, for all of your birthday wishes. I'm big for a one-year-old, I know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so what I, th I thought we'd do is we'd look back at a couple of the interesting stories um, from, from the year and then see where we go from there. Um, and the first one that I want to look at is from the first episode of Priests of Dispatches. And this was with Laura and Julian Heath um lovely couple love them um, and laura had a story here and you 
you can see how far we've come on the channel when you see this. Uh, but Laura had a story here about class and testimony meeting and one of her experiences. Okay, let's go. So this particular occasion, there was a woman in, um, uh, an, an older woman, she's about in her 70s, and she was in sacrament meeting and she got up to bear a testimony. She was clearly a little bit distressed and she got up um, to the stand and um, she said, brothers and sisters, you know, I'm really glad to be here today. You know, I've been going through such a difficult time recently. My husband and I just, we just need your prayers. We need you to pray for us. Um, you know, my um, husband has uh, injured his scrotum. <laughs> and um, as a result of that, it's really affected our relationship. You know, we are finding it difficult in our relationship together. Um, it's and we just, it's affected his work. Yeah. It's affected, his, you know, our home life. It's really, so please, everyone, can you just pray that he's, um, you know, scrotum will be uh, healed soon. She obviously clearly distressed, but comforted by the fact that she's got all these prayers that are going to be for her husband's scrotum. And she gets down off, off the stand and there's, uh, you know, the appropriate silence and shifty sort of looks around. And she goes and sits down next to her husband who's there. And he then follows her up to the stand and says, I've got one word for, and that is sternum. Fantastic, sternum. The the wonderful uh, cross wires of Fasten Testimony meeting and oversharing. You will have seen there that the camera footage, uh, the microphones, the, the lighting, everything has improved massively over the last year. And that's only down to the donations from yourselves. Um, if you do wish to support the show so we can do more cool stuff, then use the link in the description below. But um, I wanted to go back to the blog and share a story. Um, this one that I just had up on the screen here. I'm not going to read through it all. Um, you can go to mormonpd.org. You can see it at the top here. And you can read all of the stories there. But this one was a particularly interesting story. Um, from my time as a bishop and it started uh, one evening when a less active I guess inactive member gave me a call and this was a brother who hadn't been to church for years but this brother his kind of I guess rub with church was the fact that he felt that he could see um, the deceased relatives of other people and obviously to go to church and say that you see literally dead people and you can carry messages that's kind of uh, a bad thing mormon wise because only the paid you know official church people are allowed to do anything cool like that so uh yeah he he was uh ostracized a little bit so i genuinely believe though that he could see dead people and i kind of think today that maybe he he still can some of the stuff that he told me it was a bit spot on but he gave me a call and he said that there was a particularly malevolent spirit in his house who wouldn't leave him alone he couldn't get it to leave and he'd got a three-year-old daughter and it was in his daughter's room constantly uh keeping her awake at night can me as bishop come over and um get rid of this uh, unwanted presence now I thought I was amazing. So I was like, yep, no problem. Went upstairs, put my best priesthood suit on, gave my counselor a call because I thought I'm going to need some backup on this one. Because genuinely, like if someone had said I've got a ghost, I'd have been like, yeah, all right. But when he said it, I was like, 
man, I'm going into battle. So we uh, we drove over there and we went in the house and he directed us to upstairs to um, one of the uh, to his daughter's bedroom. And it was all in darkness. And I said to him, oh, leave the lights off, you know, because we all know that putting the lights on scares ghosts away. So I was like, leave the lights off, you know, and I'll go in. So I go in and I give it the whole arm to the square. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave, you know. And right at that moment, there was an almighty bang. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what was that? And I thought I made it go in not a very nice way. Um, and I was a bit scared. Turns out the kid in the next room, his oldest son, was having a hard time on the PlayStation and had thrown his remote across the room just at that time. But the story continues. I asked the brother, is the spirit still here? He said, no, it's gone. Now, at this point, we'll call the spirit Cuthbert for, yeah, just because we can. Cuthbert was gone. Said to uh, to the brother, okay. Let's uh, let's head downstairs, see what's going on. Went downstairs, and apparently Cuthbert had taken to the corner of the sitting room and was not too impressed and was giving it both barrels in my direction, uh, and he was really upset. So I thought, right, it's time to end this gentleman's stay uh, in the house. So Cuthbert had to go. So we, we went to the middle of the room. Um, the less active brother knelt down. And me and my, me and my companion, my counsellor, uh, put our hands on his head and began a priest of blessing on him and his home to try and help Cuthbert on his way wherever Cuthbert needed to be. Um, but it definitely wasn't in his home that evening. So we gave him the blessing. And during the blessing, my body went rigid and my, my hands were shaking and i was sweating i couldn't speak i was giving it the full joseph smith you know in the in the grove uh the the power overtook me and looking back now i kind of think that uh it probably wasn't so much the power um of cuthbert overtaking me it was probably my ego and you know all the stories of joseph smith of uh the missionaries in england with the legions of of demons and different things so uh, yeah, I got pretty uh, pretty wrapped up in it all. And following the blessing, I said to the brother, is Cuthbert still here? No, Cuthbert had done one. Fantastic. We shook his hand, said our goodbyes, got in the car. Cuthbert was in the car. Okay. I didn't see him, but I felt like I could feel him in the backseat of the car. So we drove on uh, and I knew that I couldn't take Cuthbert home with me. So we uh, drove down, we were driving down a country lane and in England, country lanes are very dark and very narrow, um, very private places. So I pulled over straight away. It was raining a little bit. I said to my uh, counselor, I said, I need a blessing now straight away. So I get out of the car. I'm in the middle of the road. I just thought it's got to be done. So I knelt down in the rain and my counselor came over. And uh, facing me, placed his hands on my head and started giving me a blessing. And we were both uh, crying and, and really, um, yeah, we're really into it. 
and then the whole area started to light up it was amazing like almost like noonday and and the the ambiance all around me started to light up and i was thinking wow this is this is a truly spiritual like climax of my my time and then he heard a car horn and looked up and there was uh, an elderly couple in a car who had come across two suit clad men in the street one kneeling before the other both crying um probably wondering what was going on in that country lane that evening but Cuthbert went so that was the story of seeing dead people but you can go and read that in a more comedic fashion on on the blog uh, mormonpd.org and yeah there's loads more like that saving private brian and all sorts but back to your stories for the evening so we got the blog um and we started the youtube channel and then we started to get some um more heavy hitters onto the channel and i guess one of these uh, that i loved was paul toscano of the september 6th and paul toscano was amazing because what he did was he didn't say what do you want me to kind of say you know i did some research on him and i knew the the general gist of things but there's so much that's happened to paul in his life that to actually dissect everything i'd need six months to research and come up with a really thorough set of interview questions so what paul did is he gave me a bullet pointed list of all these random occurrences in his life um, of about 20 things and we went through it and it was amazing but one of, one of these things that yeah i didn't didn't quite get at first and when you think of paul toscano in the september 6th you think scholars you think you know activists really serious serious people but paul was amazing and this was um yeah one of his uh one of his gems let's hear it the, the, the one about the orgasmatron was really weird. Uh, I get an, I'm not going to mention these people's names because it's. I'm going to okay. try not to mention. Uh, so I got, uh, uh, this was back in the early 80s, I got a knock on my door in Orem, and these people I know come in, and they're telling me that they, they've come uh, with information that they know how to get revelation from the Lord every time. Okay. And I said, well... Okay, and the way they do it was they'd all, there was three couples, they'd go to the temple with a particular question that had to be answered yes or no. And they go to the temple, and if the, and they had, and the, and the one fellow was apparently the one who was gifted with getting the revelation. And the way it would happen would be this, sometime during the temple ceremony, if the answer to their question was yes, he would get an erection. Oh and if the answer was no, oh he my. wouldn't. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, Paul Toscano laying it out there. Um, and that had to be one of the weirdest kind of Mormon things. I know at the minute, Under the Banner of Heaven is hot. And I've watched the first three episodes and it's weird. 
but it's that kind of thinking um that breeds these special moments that people have how did they ever connect the temple ceremony with that you know what i mean so that was uh one of the weirder ones we've also had uh, a member of the flds uh the work who clayne wademan unfortunately uh clayne has been diagnosed recently with cancer clayne if you're watching please get well soon we loved your contribution um speaking to us about how even today there are still 80 year olds marrying 18 year olds in polygamy and how they they are running out of young women um to marry off to uh their younger men because all of the older men are marrying those young women okay uh moving on to i get stories through on the email that i can't get through all the time so i've picked a few um that yeah i've just not had a chance to get to uh, which i think will be of interest so the first one is from Derek evanson and Derek's uh <laughs> titled his email black panthers attack lds institute and he says true stories of sir jeffrey the brave aka the hound dog um so uh, he says the following was told to me by john lund former institute of religion instructor and author of the church and the negro 1969 john lund was an institute of religion instructor in seattle washington during the late 1960s and early 1970s this was uh this was when jeffrey r holland now a mormon apostle was director of the seattle lds institute of religion next to the university of washington the following happened at a time when the black football players of the university of washington refused to play byu because BYU was run by a white racist church. I think this was 1971-72. Lund told me this was in his office when he taught the Seattle Institute for the second time in 1990. Um, so Lund's a big name as well. So it'd be interesting if this was, you know, backed up. But he goes on. He told me, that back in the early 1970s, black football players at the University of Washington were refusing to play against BYU because of the racist policies of the Mormon church, which owned a controlling stake in BYU, pretty much all of it. At the time, the church still banned blacks from its priesthood, which every Mormon male aged 12 and over gets, um, and it banned them from the temples. Blacks could still be baptized into the church, but go home. It's, this this i've never experienced this because i'm too young let me know if this was the case but he said they could go home or wait in the foyer while priesthood meeting took place so i i never knew that people they wouldn't let them have the priesthood but from what derek's saying here they wouldn't even let them go to priesthood like the lesson the meeting i mean for me that's that would be a good thing not being forced to go to the priesthood lesson but hey um so he goes on like the women of the church they could not touch the sacrament tray while it was being passed around by 12 or 13 year old mormon deacons i never saw that 
Needless to say, the Black Mormon population was tiny, probably no more than a dozen men, most inactive. Um, the trustees of the University of Washington decided to hold a public debate over the issue of whether to cut off relations with BYU over this. One of the trustees was black. They counted. They contacted the church in Salt Lake, which had no comment. Hmm, surprise. Then they contact the Seattle LDS Institute of Religion, then headed by Jeffrey R. Holland. Holland decided he was going to cowboy it without church approval. So he sent John Lund, who had written The Church and the Negro, to calmly explain things to the trustees and the over 1,000 students there to hear the debate. Brave man. A number of UW black footballers, black football players, spoke first saying that the mormons were worse than the clan and they filled the ranks of the kkk this was generally believed in common knowledge among african americans at the time and taught black folks don't have souls finally john Lund was invited to respond boos and threats came from the audience the trustees quieted the crowd but every time Lund tried to speak, the black trustee shot up in his chair and shouted, why are we listening to this man? He's a racist. Why are we listening to him? Good question. A white trustee who served as a moderator uh, <laughs> would ask the black trustee to sit down and let Lund say a few words. But as soon as Lund began to speak, the black trustee would shoot back up from his seat and shout, why are we even listening to this man? Why? Why are we giving racists a voice here? Are we crazy? We are crazy to even listen to this man. Man, that guy has some some guts. Being the only black trustee, you know, on the board, absolutely standing up for what was right. So with that, the crowd would go wild and shout and scream and hurl insults at Lund. This continued, and Lund was not allowed to speak. The black man said. We must be crazy even to let this racist speak. Well, he didn't. Anyway, the audience erupts into whistles and applauds. So Lund shouted, well, you must all be crazy, so I'm leaving. Wow. <laughs> How to make friends and influence people. And he walked towards the exit with pieces of paper, sometimes spit and booze coming from the audience. The next day, the Seattle Post in the Seattle... What a newspaper name this is. The Seattle Post-Intelligencer. Can anyone confirm that? A newspaper reported the incident with the headline, Mormon priest calls, Bra uh, calls black UW trustee crazy at public debate. Hmm. He did though, didn't he? The Seattle chapter of the Black Panthers read this article and decided to get some payback they took crowbars and bats and went to the seattle institute in two cars on a monday students came into jeffrey r holland's office screaming bloody murder and holland came out and saw the black men with weapons piling in from the front of the institute he shouted to lund john you lock the front doors while i get the students out the back i can see the taffy pulling out so Holland bravely led the white Mormon students out the back door, bravely led them. He bravely ran away out the back door. 
while Lund was holding the front door closed. Lund could not lock the front doors because the Black Panthers were already trying to get them open and the doors had to be completely shut before they could be locked. No surprise. So Lund was in a tug of war with about eight Black Panthers. This is where the strength of the priesthood needs to come in. He was in a tug of war with about eight Black Panthers armed with crowbars and baseball bats. No guns that he could see from the front door. Holland was leading the way out the back door. No surprises there either. Lund told me he said a vocal prayer. Heavenly Father, please protect us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. At that very point, so this is where the miracle is going to happen. Because remember, this is Lund telling the story to Derek. At that very point, Lund told me, one black man said to the others, man, we got the wrong place. This here, oh my gosh, this is so bad. This here ain't the Mormon church. This here is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Say so right here, pointing to the Institute of Religion sign. Now, earlier in this story, I'm sure Lund had gone to prove how much of a non, like how racist he wasn't. But he's telling this story, if this is the case. And at this point, I think he's saying that the Black Panthers were dumb because they didn't connect Mormon church with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So all the black men looked at the sign and said, shoot, we got the wrong place. Let's get the fetch out of here. So they all climbed the two cars and left. Lund then closed the doors all the way, locked them, and then went to the back to find Holland cowering behind a car with a small group of white students. Um, and Derek says, this is exactly what John Lund told me in his office in 1990. Lund later retired and gave book tours, uh, gave tours of Book of Mormon locations in Belize and South Mexico for TBMs. I cannot testify that it is true because I was not there to witness it, but this is exactly what Lund told him. Funnily enough there, giving tours of Book of Mormon locations in Belize and South Mexico, I would love to see the tour guide for that because I am pretty sure that the church doesn't believe anymore that there were any Book of Mormon sites in Belize or southern Mexico. Okay. And one more before we go. We're going to keep it short tonight. But this one came in in September. And it's been on my mind for so long um, from Sarah Howard. Um, and yeah, this is amazing. Sarah is from New Zealand. Fantastic. People hear me in New Zealand. And Sarah says she was born in the Mormon church, second youngest of six siblings, four older sisters, one younger brother. Mm, that was a fun house. Um, and mom and dad, both from non-religious backgrounds, they <laughs> this is the worst hitchhiking story. They converted as newlyweds after picking up hitchhiking missionaries. Mmm, joy. So she, she tells a story. Um, there was a time our branch president and his whole family suddenly stopped coming to church for a whole month or two. And he was weirdly released in his absence. 
Then one fast Sunday, he turned up out of the blue. The branch I grew up in was a, in a very small town. Our town really only had one place where most of the men worked. And that meant that from time to time, all the priesthood leaders would be working on a Sunday. This was one of those Sundays. So Bishop's not there. None of the normal priesthood leaders are there. Um, and the newly ex-branch president knew it and seized his opportunity. This already sounds like an epic ex-Mormon age. <laughs> he got up from the congregation and started an amazing rant. The only priesthood holder there that day, a lovely old uh, 70 year old brother, tried to stand and stop him, but he was no match. <laughs> uh, where were no match. The ex branch president spoke for at least 20 minutes. No one could stop him. At the time, it felt like an evil anti Mormon rant. Go, branch president. On reflection, he was just relaying a whole bunch of shocking truths. The thing I remember most about the whole event was that at the final point, my mum stood up in the congregation and yelled back to the ex-branch ex president, telling him we weren't going all uh, to all just sit there and listen to his rubbish. She then marched all the women and children in the congregation down to the primary room to sing hymns because that's what you should do when truth is spoken. Leaving the poor ex-branch president to rant to a, the poor old boy. Fun times. Um, then there was another fast Sunday when a sister got up to the pulpit reeking of marijuana and obviously a bit high. Now, why was I never in any of these meetings? Because that sounds like the best testimony meeting. She started on an amazing sermon and kept pointing out how everyone in our town was evil and really, really needed saving, especially us lot in the chapel. We really need saving. She could foresee a time soon when the volcanoes we lived around were going to erupt and swallow us all up. Mm, she was bringing it heavy. We were... <laughs> because they were so damn evil. She then raised both her arms in the air and started calling out to God like a banshee, calling for him to come down and save us before we were destroyed. Small town branches wards have the very best fast Sundays. You just get so bored with the usual limited rotation of speakers, newness, weirdness, uh, weirdness is at least different and hella entertaining. Oh my gosh. Um, Sarah goes on to list. I really need to get Sarah on for an episode. A member of the bishopric having a psychotic episode after a visit to the temple that turned into a huge cross country police chase with him smashing through other vehicles, causing injury to avoid police road, spri road spikes. And finally ending with him locked away in a high security mental ward for the criminally insane. Where my dad paid him a visit and took me and my younger brother along to cheer him up. Yeah, Sarah, if you hear this, you need to come on. Um, 
I will contact you soon because we need to go through these stories and hear them from the horse's mouth. Okay. So, PD. <laughs> PD is now, um, yeah, this is what we are. We'll be uh, moving forward with uh, the YouTube. We've now got a presence on TikTok, Facebook, obviously, and Instagram and Twitter. We will be, um, we're slowly working our way through and writing a book called Meet the Schmooners. You can no longer meet the Mormons, but you'll be able to meet the Schmooners, a Mormon family who have all of these wonderful experiences um, all in one book for you to read. But I just wanted to, yeah, take half an hour this evening to say thank you to everyone for all the support you've given me over the last year. Thank you for all the input. Thank you for your stories, because that's what this is all about. It's about finding a little bit of healing from our time at church through humor, through just having a good laugh at ourselves in a very English way. Um, but yeah, thank you very much. If you feel you can contribute, the link's in the description below. But otherwise, please share the PD channel wherever you can. Uh, it'd be great to get to 850 subscribers in the next couple of weeks. We're about 30 or 40 off. So if you're not subscribed, please do so. But for now, for me, from this evening, I'll let you all go. Oh, and I mustn't forget from the war office here where I am, it is not Mother's Day, but I've got it written down because in the United States today, it is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all of my listeners in the United States. I hope you have all treated your mother or if you are a mother or a sister, you have had a fantastic day. But for now, thank you very much. I will let you go and uh, I'll see you next week. See ya.